This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to Green and Growing, hour number two of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ashley Frasca, your host for the next two hours. And, you know, this is a special weekend. This is the weekend prior to the WSB Radio Carathon. We host that each and every summer 19 years we've done it. So beginning next Thursday, July 30th, that will be year 20, which is an amazing feat, an amazing milestone that we're so proud of here at WSB. And you, the listeners, over two decades have helped us raise $24 million all toward cancer research, support staff at the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. So I thought it fitting that my celebrity gardener be Chris Shillette. He is the Vice President of Design and Construction at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, and I can guarantee you he is one of the busiest men in Atlanta right now. Chris, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So I tell folks you're busy, and for those that may not know, and they don't make the trek up and down I-85 in the Brookhaven area, what uh, you know, small project have you been working on the last couple of years? So we uh, are in the process of developing an, a brand new campus for Children's Healthcare Atlanta that actually replaces our hospital at Eggleston. About four years back, we got serious about uh, what does it mean to replace a hospital and how would we do it? It just so happens that we own some property uh, right here at I-85 in North Druid Hills. And when we started looking at all of Georgia, we care for kids across the entire state. And mm-hmm. what is the most easy access point for uh, for our families and for the kids coming here? And it just so happened that uh, the site here at North Druid Hills was perfect. It's really a different concept of what you may think about a hospital campus because really we're, we're designing a pediatric healthcare destination. Wow. Uh, we firmly believe that uh, the care starts not when you walk into the building, but as soon as you drive onto our campus. So we wanted to create a healing environment as you arrive. We have 78 acres here, which is an amazing amount of property and just such a central part of Atlanta. Who knew there was that much room at North Druid Hills in 85? Exactly. When you drive in, it's about the experience. It's about what you see from the landscaping to the gardens to just the open space. So of that 78 acres, we've reserved 20 acres of that just as green space for just a different type of environment from what everybody is used to going to the hospital And usually hospitals are in somewhat of a concrete world, right? Mm -hmm. There's lots of roads and sidewalks and parking decks, uh, about a $1.3 billion hospital project. And overall, from a campus perspective, it's in excess of $2 billion. 
So that will eliminate Eggleston later on down the road. What about Children's Health Care of Atlanta that's now located off of Glenridge? Scottish Rite stays uh, where it is. It's a, it's a great hospital for us. It's a great hospital for our community. And uh, particularly, and uh, fitting that we're talking about this, is the Carathon gets kicked off. The uh, Aflac Cancer Center beds that are at Scottish Rite and at Eggleston will all be centrally located here at Northwood Hill. So exciting to say that there's going to be 110 uh, cancer center uh, fully focused cancer center beds here at Northwood Hills and just an amazing environment that we're going to be creating uh, for the Aflac Cancer Center. And now for our listeners over the years who've listened to the Carathon and have donated and been really invested in the stories of these families and these brave children that just through the face of adversity, these evil diseases that they're facing, they just smile. They're so happy to be on the radio with us, tell you their story like it's nothing and Folks don't understand really how important that is to get these families out of what you were saying is kind of a concrete jungle. Because like you said, you see two patient towers that are going to be part of this new campus and just healing views all around, whether you're looking at the interstate from a distance or the trees or the 20 acres of green space. That tranquility is probably something that's so important to families and can almost just be a little bit of a respite, a little bit of an escape. So talk about that 20 acres of green space, Chris. And, and I want to make mention, too, it is not just limited to the families of patients that are going to be treated at Children's, right? Uh, a large portion of that 20 acres is really just open to the public. And, you know, that, that was an important piece for us because uh, we are a community asset. So from our perspective, we want to make sure that we're sharing our facilities and sharing our environment to, to the community around us. We're in a somewhat of a residential zone of Atlanta, so we want to make sure that everybody can come and be a part. And then the other side of, of what we're doing here is at our campuses today, we can't really host public community events. So if we wanted to do an Easter egg hunt, now we'll be able to really have a community and a family-centered and patient-centered environment to do uh, everything that we do. You know, our, our 20 acres, our, our landscape, it's, uh, it's got a bunch of different areas too. And I think that's what's important when we think about the kids in the hospital. You know, these are not kids that stay one night and two nights. We have those, but these are kids that stay 30 days, 60 days, uh, three months, almost yeah. sometimes a year. And to provide variety for someone to be able to go and explore a campus and have an, an, an environment to go to so they're not just looking at the same four walls of their room. So we've got what we call the Great Lawn, mm-hmm. and there, our Great Lawn is uh, about a one and a quarter acre Great Lawn, so it's bigger than a football field. And wow. that's really our, hey, let's go out and have fun. If we, you know, that's where you're going to go and, and have the Easter egg hunts. There may be uh, a soccer game. There may be you know, all kinds of events in that great lawn. And it's, it's, it's really meant to be a sort of that gathering place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other side of it is we want an environment where the siblings can come and visit brother and sister in the hospital. And, and the great lawn is a place where mom and dad can take them out and just get a little energy out. I've got two young boys at home and I can't imagine if one of them was in the hospital, what, what do you do with the other one? And how do you get them to interact, but yet get some of that energy out instead of sitting in a, in a room with them? And then we've got sort of a more secluded and what I would call secured garden area. And if you've been to Eggleston, we've got a very small uh, garden. And that the Eggleston garden is very, um, very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. So there's a lot of things that happen in there. And you, you, I hear all these stories, and it's amazing to hear that, you know, we've had patients that have gone through 
cancer treatment or other treatments, and then they'll come back as adults and they'll get engaged in the Eggleston Garden or they'll get married in the Eggleston Garden, which is so cool. So we're creating that kind of environment as well in a new garden. And when I say the landscaping is just going to be amazing, you know, we've got all these little moments within the garden. So we call it the big squeeze. And we've taken rocks that we excavated out of our our basement Mm -hmm. and they're huge limestone boulders. Hmm. And we're actually going to create sort of at Rock City where there's the big squeeze at Rock City. We're going to kind of create that environment (laughs) where you can kind of walk through these rocks that came out of our basement excavation, which is neat. So little moments even in a big, yeah, even in in a garden environment, creating those little moments. And then we've got uh, a garden at the entry. You know, when you think about pulling up to Eggleston, think about pulling up to Scottish or really any other hospital here in Atlanta, it's a lot of concrete. Again, it's a lot. There's not a lot of peacefulness at the front entry. And it's scary for the little ones. It is. scary. Absolutely. So all of those moments are all part of that 20 acres uh, through campus. I'm here on Green and Growing talking to Christopher Shillette of Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Vice President of Design and Construction, a huge undertaking with a new campus that I think is going to be open in 2025, thereabout, right? right? At North Druid That's Hills right. and I-85. Well, Chris, four times yeah. the number of trees that currently exist uh, yes. on the Eggleston campus, so that's important. Are y'all doing any work with uh, Trees Atlanta? Yeah, we did early on with Trees Atlanta. We've done a lot of exciting things. So if you've been up eighty, up or down 85 at North Trid Hills over the past six months, you've seen a somewhat heavily treed area get completely stripped of that. And you see all of this construction equipment out here. So we had about 500 trees on campus, most of which were pine and uh, some magnolia. Not a lot of uh, Not a lot of hardwood on the campus before. Uh, but we're going back with almost 1,500 trees, which is so exciting to think about the long term of what that uh, what that looks like. So we always coined it, you know, Atlanta is sort of the city in the forest. And as you fly into the Atlanta airport, you just kind of look across all of Atlanta and all you see is the the tree canopy of the trees. We're very proud of of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we want to we want to make sure long term that that's what our campus feels like as well. The meeting of the minds, how all of you and who all was involved, what the landscape's going to look like. We really use our families and previous patients to help guide us in what they want. They wanted an environment to get up, get out of the room, get out of the hospital, and go walk around. And again, I mentioned the Eggleston Garden is so special to so many people. And it was just when you start talking to previous patients and families, you you just realize how important the connection to nature was. And then when we started to get into the research, we realized there's scientific data that, that backs up the fact that having a healing view just from your room produces better outcomes. Access to sunlight produces better outcomes and less reliance on pain medication. And there, it's amazing to look at the research on that. And so that's all of that was, was sort of a precursor to knowing that we wanted this connection to nature for this campus. Just one final thing, if you will, um, let our listeners know how important our partnership is. We're so proud here at WSB to have worked with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta for now 20 years for the Carathon. Talk about our special relationship and what we do every year. Oh, absolutely. I, I tell you, we can't do what we do here at Children's Healthcare Atlanta without uh, without everybody in our community supporting us. And, and the Carathon has just been just been so important. You know, so many people. Uh, calling in. Uh, we have our we have our patients on the radio. 
uh, so many people calling in and sharing their stories. It gives me chills just thinking about it. And I love listening to it every year and being a part of it every year, but it's just so vital in what we do. And uh, I know uh, uh, Dr. Graham will be on if he's not already been on with the Carathon at some point. And uh, he's just such a tremendous resource. And just for us to be able to, to give him the financial backing to go through the research and, uh, and, and, just really think out of the box on cancer care is, is just truly amazing. So we're, we're so fortunate to have uh, the partnership with, with uh, WSB through the Carathon and, and just really appreciate everybody's, everybody's help and, and support. Well, and we hope that folks listening may never need to visit the campus for any reason. They'll have healthy children. Nothing goes wrong. But we had a listener years ago, I'll never forget, who called in to make a donation and he was crying and he said, I've listened to this carathon every year. I mean, I listened to it, you know, would switch between stations and uh, made a donation every, every now and then. But then last year, my child was impacted with cancer. And now we are one of those patient families that I always heard interviewed on the radio. And the same goes for us having this conversation. I'm so proud of your new 70 acre campus. And I don't want folks in the Brookhaven area, DeKalb County, even Metro Atlanta to think, well, that's not going to apply to me. Sure it does. This is almost like a new park that you can enjoy with your family, and it'll bring you closer to the functions and the activities that Children's does within the community. You all need us, and we all need you. That's exactly right. It's uh, Again, we're we're so fortunate as uh, citizens of Atlanta to have an organization like Children's Healthcare Atlanta and I think it's just so so amazing that as as children's we can we can also give back to our community and give back to our our patients and families. Well, so. Chris, I appreciate you getting up early on a Saturday morning, and thank you for being on Green and Growing <laughs> and being my celebrity gardener this weekend. Thanks for having me. Look forward to seeing you at that ribbon cutting in a few years. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Seven twenty-four, a show packed full and we still have half of it to go another hour and a half of green and growing first i want to give you a weather update that is sponsored by finley roofing meteorologist brad nitz from channel 2 action news says 60 percent chance for showers today a high around 90 low around 72 and then scattered thunderstorms predicted for the rest of the week green and growing, green and growing with ashley frasca here's your garden to-do list this week Keeping it simple for you this weekend. If you have a little bit of time to get outside, here's some things you could do. Number one, you've got to keep an eye on squash if you're growing that. Pick it regularly just to keep up the production. If the vines wilt, you got to check the base of the stem for like sawdust. That means you've got squash borers. Hopefully you don't. But remove the infected plants, and that's just good to change your planting location in the future, hopefully to prevent new plants from being attacked. Number two, the last chance to plant pumpkin seeds, which I'm going to be doing here soon. Sow them about an inch deep, and then you've got to mulch. They need 8 to 10 hours of sun a day and plenty of room for the vines to spread, as Nicole and I were talking about at the beginning of the show. And number three, to harvest sunflower seeds. That's something fun. If you have a neighbor that's not going to do anything with those wilted sunflowers, let the flower dry either on or off the stem and then harvest when the back of the head of the sunflower turns brown. Rub your hand over the seeded area and either pull the seeds off yourself or you can use a fork. And that's something fun to look forward to. 404-872-0750. Sylvia in Alpharetta, thanks for holding so patiently. You're on Green and Growing. 
Hi. Hey. Uh, I just need to know how to get my amaryllis to rebloom. This this is just the second year I've had it, but am I supposed to just cut it off and put it in the dark now? Or or it, it has triple the leaves that it had last year, but there's hmm. still no bloom on it. Had you planted it or brought it outside at all, or you've kept it indoors? Oh, no, no, no. It's been outside ever since. Well, I take it in and out if it's cold, but I think it started coming up in March. I'm not too Good. sure. Good. Okay, so it, you're it, on you're on the right track, Sylvia. So the process of forcing an amaryllis to bloom, you start that in September. Right now, I would leave the leaves. Right now, they're fine. But then remove the leaves in September. Allow the bulb to dry out for two months in September, and then early November, put them in a warm window. Water with half strength houseplant fertilizer, something like that, because you're wanting to get them ready for Christmas, I assume. So, amaryllis bulbs that you buy at the stores, you know, they're prepared in a different way. So, they're forced to bloom. But really, start everything in September before it gets too cold or there's any chance of frost. That's what I'm going to do because I've got four outdoors as well. So, again, dig them up, re- remove the leaves, let them dry out for a couple of months. And then, um, And that should put you on the right track for sure. And if anybody has good advice on how they let the bulbs dry out for those couple of months, let me know. Because I I tell you, I tried caladium bulbs in the brown paper bag in the garage, kept them dry, whatever. I was not able to keep those from last year to this year. So caladiums didn't have a lot of luck with. But amaryllis bulbs are a lot hardier. And it's just for a two-month period rather than like 10 months. So that should be fine. And then, like I said, warm window in November. Water with half-strength fertilizer, and you should be well on your way, Sylvia. 404-872-0750. More of your calls on green and growing. We will be right back here on 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. That is Cantaloupe by Us Three, a song that takes me back to the mid-1990s, perhaps. So yeah, I had a little bit of a say in, uh, in the music selections in the opening intro there of the show, so I hope you like it. Welcome back to Green and Growing. Here we are on like show 25, 27, something like that. I'm having a blast and I hope I hope you are too. 1993, Cantaloupe Us 3. Wow, that makes me really feel old. Okay, thank you, Jason. Woo, boy. But taking more of your calls and you don't have to have a question. You can call the show every Saturday and just share your experiences. We spoke to Annette earlier about her trumpet vines and I just like hearing that. I like hearing what you're seeing, what you're working on, what you're having successes with and failures too. 404-872-0750. If I don't know the answer to your question, I will find someone who does and get you an answer for sure. Tommy, down in Jonesboro, you have been so patiently holding. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Well, hey, Ashley. I changed jobs about four months ago, so I get off at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning, hey. and I have found your show <laughs> real interesting. Thank you. There you go. Well, I'm sorry for the overnight shift, but how's it, how's it working out for you? Uh... It's been interesting. Right. It's an adjustment uh, for sure. I uh, had to change jobs due to covert and things shutting down. And I owe you an apology. Why? Well, when I talked to the man that was taking the phone call from me, uh-huh. 
I called you Belinda. Oh my gosh! Well, that's a compliment. Thank you. That's all right. And she well, does. I've she has a show on Bort. Saturdays too. I've listened to Bortz for years before he retired, which yeah. he really ever retired. And you and her sound a lot alike. Well, thank you. She grew up in right. Blue Ridge, and I grew up in Woodstock, so almost have the Southern twang. Very similar. My question is, being raised by my grandparents over in East Point, they had a little quarter acre garden they did every year religiously. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> me and my girlfriend lived in Jonesboro for the last oh, 15 years, had no place for a garden, so we had potted plants, potted tomatoes and uh, so forth, peppers and stuff like that. And we did that. This, we just moved here a couple years ago, so. We got the bright idea. We was going to till up a garden. Yeah. Well, <laughs> me and the, the grass is winning. Oh, no. So my question is, during the next, uh, once this season's over, it's, it's, it, we're getting stuff out of it, but it's just a battle that they're winning. There's never been a garden here. Okay. What can I do to prep the land for next next season? Okay, so yeah, tilling it up is tough. And I personally, depending on the area, I mean, are you just talking about a little maybe 10 by 10 or something like that? Uh, more like about a uh, 20 by 30. Okay, okay, even better. Yeah, I don't recommend any chemical treatments or anything like that. And I know we may be talking about, you know, a season later from now before you start that. But just really continuously keeping that tilled, mulched, mow down also if you need to right now lay some landscape fabric just to choke out the weeds and you know things germinating and stuff like that about fabric i was kidding with my girlfriend yeah i'm gonna bring two cars out there and park them see i can't use chemicals we do have chickens Uh i haven't had a other than doing a family get together for uh deviled eggs i don't eat store-bought eggs I mean, once you start getting the Easter eggers and the brown eggs and all that, yeah. the flavor is so enhanced that you don't want the blah one out of the grocery store. Right. And so I can't use chemicals because we do cut them loose and let them free range for a few hours every afternoon. Yeah, chemicals and, just, I, I just, that's a last resort for me on anything. And the car thing, not a bad idea. Just make sure you don't get any fuel or oil spill into the well, the ground from the cars. I'm more with uh, the land, the landscaping uh, stuff now with, that you just throw it out there. Yeah, and don't waste your time, Tommy, doing any soil amendments or anything like that right now because, you know, a lot of that may just start to break down before you even get around to doing the garden. But also maybe consider a little bit of a raised bed because that gives you a lot more control over the soil. You know, if you're able to maybe do a foot deep or more of a raised bed. Um, that's going to, you know, be better for weed prevention, too. But- I know there's nothing I can do this season. It, it is, I mean, our uh, grape tomatoes and our tomatoes. I did hear a comment you made last week about your bell pepper uh, spiking up, just going so far and stopping on you. Yeah, and I'm having the darndest time getting them to flower. Well, I, I resemble that remark because mm-hmm. I got... One bell pepper, it's about half produced and just sits there and stares at me. It's Yeah, it's like challenging you. I understand. Well, I know you're not in a position now to really start it, but for folks who maybe you're thinking about fall planting dates, I mean, August 1st, we're coming up on where you can get ready for beets or cauliflower. You're even looking at like mustard if someone wanted to do that. Irish potatoes, that'd be kind of interesting, Tommy. Have you ever done potatoes? 
I have not gardened since I was a kid with my grandparents. Oh, that's a good memory. And so that's where I got the idea. But then I come to realization uh, I got in there with the weed whacker was trying to kill all the grass, get the grass cut back down and and the beans and stuff that we got. And you can't get in around the uh, uh, tomatoes and squash and stuff uh, with a weed eater. And then I got this, we put uh, kale in there, Mm -hmm. but I got something that's just eating the heck out of the leaves. Oh, no. Yeah, I use um, BT, uh, Bacillus thuringiensis, I believe is how you say it, and that gets like looper and caterpillars and all that kind of stuff. I've had to use that on my cucumber plants and the bell pepper plants as well. The idea from you, I'm a diesel mechanic by trade. Okay. So I have ultraviolet lights for checking AC and uh, freon leaks and stuff. Yeah. And the comment you made last week about getting out there with ultraviolet, and not, not you, the old man that gets on there with you, about doing the ultraviolet light and get the bugs off the... Uh, yeah, green. I think, oh, oh my goodness, like he was saying, uh, too, if you use a black light, the to- to- uh, tomato hornworm... Oh, suckers are... Yeah, he like glows. I mean, it reminds me of the day of the old uh, uh, posters. Yes, right. In the, yeah, I mean, the black lights. <laughs> those little suckers glowed like all get out because I can get the big ones. I can see them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you can look, handpick I, them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I didn't see the little ones until oh. I pulled that light out and I went, check this out. Can you believe it? Yeah. You almost don't want to know. Well, Tommy, so here's the deal. If you're still driving home or if you're already home, just relax. No, no, I'm at home now. Okay. Yeah. If you're just relaxing before maybe you take a snooze or something, keep listening for a little bit because I want folks to call if they have some good advice on really how you need to get that bed prepared for like next season's planting. So stay listening. And if anybody wants to help Tommy out, no chemical. We're not going for chemical treatment here. No, 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 no. Tommy's I can't let the do... chickens get into it. I right. do got a little bit of a little, them little 14, 15-inch tall fences yeah. kind of stuck up just to keep the chickens. Because when we did this over at the other house mm-hmm. and we had uh, um, turnips and all that. Yeah. Yeah, well, the chickens can fly, and they got to the pots. (laughs) Yeah, well-fed chickens. Well, hey, Tommy, listen, I'm going to scoot, but keep listening out because I think someone's going to be able to help and maybe give you some better advice. But Landscape Fabric, let me know how that works out. I will. Good to hear from you. You, uh, Keep in touch, all right? All right, bye-bye. All right, nice. Thank you, Tommy. Yeah, so if you've got advice, please call 404-872-0750. Up next is Ann in Lilburn. Good morning. Welcome to Green and Growing. Hi, good morning. Hey, Ann. I planted cucumbers and zucchini in a um, raised bed. Uh-huh. They're growing well, lots of leaves. However, my zucchini is blooming and has no zucchini, and my cucumber is not doing anything, no blooms. Hmm. Now, when I was talking earlier in the show, are you making sure to look at the base of the vines of each of those and make sure you don't see any like sawdust type any debris right there at the top of the soil there is not any okay good because you don't have any squash vine borer or anything like that i'm wondering since the zucchini is flowering but not fruiting yet either maybe it's just a little behind or it's just not getting pollinated so do you have any plants in the area any flowers that you know bees and things would travel to and from um, hydrangeas and lilies. Ah, uh, yeah. And butterfly bush. Oh, now see butterfly bush. That's nice. 
Um, let me kind of look up a little bit of a cross-pollination type. Let's see what, you know, other vegetables may be able to cross-pollinate, like with the cucumber. Um, I wonder. I have tomatoes. I, I do have tomatoes. You do have tomatoes, yeah. too. Okay. Cross-pollination, let's see, among melons and squash. It, it is confusing just because some cross-pollinate and some don't. So, like, watermelons and cucumbers, I know they don't. Um, but I, I definitely think it's a pollination issue, Anne, is why. But the zucchini, I'd hold out hope for those. The cucumber should definitely be doing something by now. You haven't seen any yellow flowers on that at all? No, no, and I've never had this happen before. Yeah, that well, and two, it got so hot and humid so quickly that that actually is trouble for pollen because the pollen starts to get sticky and moist and wet and doesn't move throughout the parts of the plant like it needs to. So this, you know, environmentally, I mean, this just could be a season where that's, you know, a little more likely to happen. It's happening now rather than in seasons past. So don't, don't give up on the zucchini yet, but I'm just curious. I'm going to look up and continue to see what'll cross pollinate what other what other vegetables but i think that's the issue okay yes and Thank i don't you so much. you're welcome and unfortunately i don't know what to tell you to do about it though <laughs> i still don't think we're too late i mean i like i said my cucumbers are really slow coming on right now they're only maybe 3 inches long so i definitely think the zucchini you'll you'll have some production as well the zucchini we've We've got a ways to go on that. So thank you for the call, Anne. I appreciate it. 404-872-0750. David in Tucker, good morning. I was cleaning yesterday. Hey, David. Hey, David's wife. How are y'all? Hello. Hey, what's going on? (laughs) I had a couple of questions for you. I was listening to an environmental show, and they were saying something about some of the common herbicides actually will kill insects. Uh, just kind of as a side thing. They may not even mention that they'll do it. Uh, so I wanted a question on that. And also, some of these broad-spectrum insecticides people use on their yards, uh, I had one used, uh, counter to my wishes, uh, on my front yard about seven years ago, and I mm-hmm. swear that yard has not recovered since. Seven years? Seven years, yeah. Wow. It, um, uh, it killed off all the uh, lightning bugs. And they've never come back and you know, a number of other things. I just wondered how long these darn things last. I would love to know myself, David. I am not a science guy at all, so I really don't know the answers to that. But as far as the herbicides go, like you heard, I've heard that as well. Some of the ingredients in the herbicides definitely affect the the insects, but it depends on which ones. If they're hard-bodied, soft-bodied, you know, what kind of way those chemicals get into their body, whether it's from them sucking the sap out of the leaves or if it's just them surface contact, that kind of thing. Um, I, you know, I scientifically, I really don't know enough about any of that to have an informed opinion about the mosquito foggers, about Roundup. I mean, I try not to say one way or the other on this show. Walter was definitely a little more well-spoken and uh, more well-researched in those too. But me personally, I just don't buy chemicals. I do have some, granted. I, I have Roundup for the weeds and the grass that grow in the cracks of my driveway. I did have BT, which, you know, targets caterpillars and things for the garden. I mean, that you almost just kind of have to have. We've had folks call in with their own homemade remedies, which are probably environmentally a lot more friendly. Um, but that's that's interesting. I would be curious to find out a little bit more about exactly what herbicides you're looking at that may do some damage to the insect population. And the insects, I mean, they live 
they coincide with us and we need them and they need us too. So (laughs) as tempting as it is to kill something, I know it it serves a bigger purpose. So David, thanks for that. Definitely some food for thought. We're going to step out, take a break on Green and Growing and back with more of your calls. 404-872-0750. This is Ashley Frasca on WSB. Giving you another update on your weather so you can plan your day. The sun has risen. It seems okay outside now. 74 degrees. Get out there and do what you need to do. 60% chance of showers later on. Highs only in the 90s, though. Only in the 90s. Uh, low 90s. We're actually getting a little bit cooler. But scattered thunderstorms for the rest of the week. So that's no fun. 404 So I just closed out this wonderful website that I was going to share with Anne. So Anne had called about her um, her cucumbers not coming in and the zucchini. They were flowering, but they weren't doing anything yet. So yes, that those are cross-pollinated vegetables. So they either set their seed from their own pollen or pollen received from another plant, hence cross-pollination. And so that's in the category, those squash-type vegetables like the zucchini, They're in the category of the vegetables that are pollinated by insect-borne pollen. So, yeah, that's what we want to transfer the pollen from the zucchini to the cucumber to the squash and all of that kind of thing. So they're all kind of, I guess that's why you plant those in groups. That makes more sense to me now. Insect-borne pollen. So I definitely think that was a, a pollination issue to have flowers and then not be getting any fruit. Okay, and Tommy asked a question about maybe by a 20 by 30 plot that he wanted to create a garden with and he just couldn't get rid of the weeds or the grass so hey people came to your rescue mike and mcdonough what do you have for tommy uh a good suggestion for an organic way to clear out the land okay. is to put some clear plastic over it uh-huh. and um clear not black just let the sun bake it it'll kill all the grass and kill the grass seeds especially if you do it in the summertime and then after a month or so you can till it up and turn over the new seeds in the ground, put the plastic back on it. And that's a quick, easy, almost free way to do it. I love it. So what, where do you get this clear plastic? Cause I automatically think, I mean, a tarp is not clear, but like a shower curtain liner or something, that's not big enough, but what do you use? Oh, just a big box store, just the, you know, the clear plastic they use for putting paint, you know, paint down. A uh, drop cloth, Just Perfect. in the paint department. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mike, I so appreciate that. That is awesome advice. I love it. Coming to the rescue of Tommy. And then Paul in Covington, I think Paul's got an idea as well. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ashley. Yeah. Uh, yes, my, my remedy is not the plastic, although plastic is good for about two feet around the garden area covered with mulch because it keeps grass from spreading into the area. My suggestion is cardboard. Ooh. I pick up cardboard at a local recycling center. It doesn't cost me anything. I can put it down. It will keep the grass from surviving because it blocks out the light. But unlike plastic, it doesn't dry the ground out, so it's a lot easier to till. Uh, Then during the garden season, you can actually cut the plastic into strips, put it between the rows, and cover it with a little bit of mulch so it doesn't blow away. And again, it allows the water to go through, but it keeps the weeds down. So that's my suggestion. So cardboard. Yes, heavy cardboard. I love that, too. Paul, y'all are so much more clever than me. Thank you so much for calling. So, Tommy, like I said, 
I hope you're listening because people came to your rescue when I could not save you. So thank you, Mike. Thank you, Paul. We're going to take a break. Check news, weather, and traffic, and we'll be back on Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.